Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odorico, and joining me is LPJ professional Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts. We're broadcasting live every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the blogtalkradio.com network, bringing you some of the best golfers, teaching professionals, and entrepreneurs helping to elevate women's golf. We're so glad you decided to join us this morning, so grab your coffee and let's get started. All right, good morning, everybody, and thank you for joining us this morning here on the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odorico, and right alongside, of course, each and every week is my good friend and co-host, LPGA professional and Legends Tour player, Cindy Miller. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning. How are we? I'm doing very well for a, a nice, sunny, beautiful Tuesday morning here in Florida. Uh, always, uh, always happy to see the sun up, especially since... Uh, we had a lot of rain earlier in the season, but uh, anyways, I'm not going to complain. I'm going to take it as a, one day at a time. Um, we got a great show this morning, a little bit of a program change. Unfortunately, uh, our guest on the second half, Paul Castor, is not going to be able to make it. He had a little bit of a family emergency, nothing uh, too serious, but a little something happened, and uh, regrettably, he's not going to be able to join us this morning, but he will be back uh, on, as I understand, he's been rescheduled for June 11th, so we'll get him back on for that. And uh, we're glad that, uh, again, it's uh, nothing too serious, but uh, unfortunately he's not going to be able to join us. But we're going to be joined by uh, Cindy's son, Jamie Miller, is going to be calling in the second half. And, of course, uh, we're going to start things off here in just a moment with our good friend, Zach Sapanik, the uh, Symmetra Tours media and public uh, uh, relations uh, official. Uh, he's going to be joining us here in just a moment to give us an update on what's been happening uh, for 2019 so far here on the tour. Um, but, Cindy, anyways, uh, what's new and happening in your world? Well, I got to go to um, Hollywood last week. I felt oh, like wow. that was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I went. I went to Hollywood for the uh, LPGA Executive Committee meeting, and okay. we stayed right by Hollywood Boulevard, so I could see out my window all the little stars of Hollywood. Uh, uh-huh. It was pretty cool. Very cool. Now we didn't go to the golf course where the tour event was. We just stayed in the hotel and had meetings and walked four blocks and had dinner and took pictures. Um, but I thought I was pretty cool, so that was nice. Did you uh, uh, do a little shopping while you were there? I did not. I did not. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, we were like all day long. I got off the plane. I met him for dinner. We had meetings from 8 until uh, 5.30. We had dinner at 6.30. We went to bed. I got up at 3.30 in the morning and flew home. Thank you very much. <laughs> now, so, see, that's, that's, that's one of the things. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to well, say that's, that's the difference. The things... That's the difference between the men's meeting and the women's meeting. The women's meeting, they get off the plane, they go, and they have meetings all day, and then they get back on the plane and go home. The men, they probably would have played golf for a few hours. They probably would have had a few drinks and a a few meals here and there, and then they would have talked for 15 minutes. That would have been their meeting. (laughs) Good point. Well, we were with Mike Wan, so we couldn't mess up. We had to be um, where the leadership, LPGA leadership team and the executive committee, which is all the presidents of all the sections, Right. So we were with Mike Wan and Vicki Guest Ackerman and Kathy Millthorpe and 
uh, Liz Moore, the chief legal officer, and then the president, Marvel, which who we had on the show. So we're making changes and differences in the lives of 1,700 teaching professionals. Very good. Uh, obviously some time well spent. Um, all right, so we're going to bring on our good friend here, uh, Zach Sapanek. As I mentioned, he is the Symmetra Tours uh, media and uh, public relations official and uh, has all the buzz, if you will, on the Symmetra Tour. So let's bring him out, Cindy, and we'll uh, start the morning show. Good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you doing? We're doing well. How are you Very doing, Zach? Well. Not, not too bad. Got in uh, back into Daytona last night about one uh, thirty, so a little tired, but uh, <laughs> get a couple of days to recharge and then start a stretch of nine or uh, eight straight tournaments. So wow, get, getting the battery <laughs> recharged. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen. Um, just another quick note too, um, Zach, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but. Uh, you actually had the Murphy USA uh, El Dorado shootout uh, last weekend, and of course uh, the winner was going to join us this morning, but uh, unfortunately she had another engagement. Um, but she's going to be on next week, correct? Yep, yep. Sydney uh, Clanton, who won the uh, Murphy USA El Dorado shootout on uh, Sunday, will join you guys on Tuesday of next week. Awesome. Perfect. All right, so give us a little bit of update. What's uh, how's the season been looking so far? Season has gone really well. We've had some good winners, tough competition. I would say um, it's just been a, a collective difference from last year. Um, our number one player right now has, I want to say, about forty-six, roughly forty-six thousand dollars in season earnings and she hasn't cashed a winner's paycheck but oh wow that total that total of what she's made is greater than what 2013 player of the year pk conquer made so if that wow. doesn't show the growth of the what the symmetric tour has made and she's only made four starts out here four starts five total events on for us this year and She's already surpassed what the 2013 Player of the Year made. Um, there's a chance for some pretty historic numbers. I'd say Madeline Sagstrom's season total earnings are in jeopardy, especially if some of the players consistently play out here um, instead of kind of going back and forth between the LPGA when they can and out here. But obviously that's still going to happen, so – um, there's a chance it doesn't, but if they do stick out here, there's a good chance that there's some records set in terms of um, who makes how much at the end of the year. Um, had, had some great winners, Leona McGuire, um, Julian Hollis, Alana Urell, Kelly Tan, and then Sydney Clanton. And, um, you know, Hollis and McGuire are kind of maybe that face of the next generation, if you will. Sydney Clanton's, uh, she's a veteran. She's been there and uh, kind of got the monkey off her back on Sunday. Hollis and McGuire are definitely two contenders for the top 10, and they're going to have a furious charge, I think, throughout the year to get into that group. And um, if they are able to get to the LPGA next year, there's no doubt in my mind that they'll be. Uh, two players to not only watch next year, but for years to come. 
Uh, Lonnie Urell won our first event, but she's uh, out on the LPGA and she made a couple of cuts, and I don't think we'll see her again this year. And then Kelly Tan went from making two cuts in 19 starts last year to a symmetric tour champion earlier this year. So crazy game, how crazy, funny game, how golf works, but uh, <laughs> you put the work in, it can reward you. Yeah. Let me you ask you, Zach. Uh, go, go ahead, Cindy. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. All I was going to ask you was, do you notice um, each season, Zach, I know you've been with the Symmetra now a few seasons. Do you see a difference in the level and quality of player each season? Do you see a noticeable difference um, that they seem to be getting much better, better composed out in the golf course, just better quality of player? Not to say that previous players aren't good, but do you notice a difference each season when you come out there on at the beginning of the tour season that the players just seem to be getting better and better and better? Yeah, I'd say so, and um, especially with the Advent of Q series last year, that allowed not it allowed more players a chance to that have maybe just kind of settled in on the LPGA and not maybe made the biggest noise. It's kind of forced them to either reevaluate where they're where they're going and how they're playing, or if they want to keep going, come down to the Sumetra Tour and, and kind of find their groove again. And I think that has been a big stepping stone for competition on the Sumetra Tour with having those kind of players who have maybe played a few years on the LPGA now coming right. down and getting a chance to right. get their feet under them again. Right. Um, Cindy, go ahead. So I agree with you, and I believe um, it's so important for someone who's been there and maybe lost their game, um, may have some injuries, loses their card, but doesn't want to give up on their dream, like Julieta, I don't, I'm not sure how to say her name, Julieta Granada. Julieta. The playoff with, yeah, she was in the playoff with Sydney. And I, my husband and I do boot camps in Orange County in Orlando, and we see her there a lot practicing with her mom. And last year we spoke to her. I had a bunch of kids with me. I do a junior boot camp. And it's just, it's so important for somebody like that who's played on the tour for a long time. She's, I think she's even won a major, or she's won a tournament. She's won, yeah. She won, uh, she won back in 2005 on the Symmetra Tour, and then she won the <clears> – <throat> 2006 ADT Championship. Yeah, so it doesn't mean she can't play. It, it, same thing as Morgan Pressel. I mean, Morgan, for a couple, you know, a long time, it's like, okay, where'd Morgan go? And it, it, you're just in the background working on your game, planting more seeds, trying to get better, but it doesn't mean you're washed up and done. So I think the Symmetra Tour is so important to these players because it gives them a place to play, and the purses are so much better than they ever were before. So there's really another opportunity, which is great. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, and I think also, too, um, Cindy, just to, to sort of piggyback what you were talking about, um, Morgan Pressel as an example, you know, I think golf 
you kind of get in a rhythm. You know, for a few seasons, you're, you're kind of in that that rhythm where everything sort of ebb, you know, ebb, the ebb and flow, if you will, is it can be very high, and then maybe the next season or so, it's not so high. And a lot of people say, well, maybe they're in a funk. And I don't think it's really a funk. I just think it's not. I mean, you know yourself, you'll get out there and you might play a couple of good rounds or even a couple of good holes, and then all of a sudden you feel like you're off your rhythm a little bit. And I think that's what happens to a lot of players. And I think as outsiders um, or spectators, they don't really appreciate and understand that these people are still playing at that high level, but it's just sometimes it's just not going to, again, that ebb and flow is just not going to be there every, you know, every day or every week. Uh, and sometimes there's going to be a, a moment where your rhythm is going to be off a little bit, and that's why they really what they're working on. Uh, would you agree? Was that the that was you? That was, that was Cindy. No, Cindy. Yeah. Well, both. Well, actually. absolutely. I mean, again, and once you have, um, you can have a little doubt. You can have some apprehension, and then the next step is fear, and then the next step is dread. And, and, you know, again, depending on the team around you, to be able to come back and believe in yourself, it takes a lot of work. And it takes a lot of it, – it takes a team behind you that believe in you, that don't criticize, condemn, and, you know, what are you doing and why can't you play? And so God bless those girls that don't give up. I, I, again, I think like Morgan Pressel, it was funny because we were at dinner last week in L.A., and Vicky Gats Ackerman was sitting across the table. I go, how's Morgan Pressel? You know, and this was before the tournament even started. And um, she said she's doing really well. She's working on a game. She's working with Martin Hall. So, again, you haven't heard from her. And, and some people, right. you know, uh, you know, backdoor people that criticize or gossip might say, ah, she's all washed up. She's too old. She can't do this. She can't come back. Yeah, really? Right. Okay. She just finished nine under <laughs> par. So, you don't know what they're doing in the background working on their games. So I'm, right. I'm proud right, of exactly. all of them for not giving up. I think it's all. Yeah, awesome. I agree. Um, Zach, very quickly, let me just ask you, and then, Cindy, you can go ahead again. Um, do you notice in addition to the physical – you know, I, I asked you a few moments ago about do you notice a difference with the players coming out, um, you know, in this season or each season it gets a little bit different. What about the mental toughness? Do you notice that the girls that are playing out there today seem to be a little bit more mentally tough um, than maybe previous years? Um, and, and if so, what do you think that, that uh, is equated to? Yeah, I think there's just a different focus level. I mean, a lot of these girls have come up the ranks and golf is all they know. And um, I think it speaks to just kind of the culture ingrained with it. There, There's a good amount of players that have settled in and know the ins and outs and they know the process each week and it allows them to maybe be a little more relaxed and a little more comfortable. Whereas some of the new players or maybe just some of the more, um, Focused players, I guess that's not really the word I'm looking for, but that's the one that comes to mind. Um, they're kind of maybe a little more in the zone, and um, maybe with with you know windshield or you know blindfolds on each side, and just a kind of tunnel of tunnel vision throughout the week. Right. And that, that may be contributed to you know just how they've grown in the game and how they've learned the game, or just 
maybe contributed to their approach. But um, I definitely would say, especially with the amount of um, uh, new players that we've had come through, I think we had this past week, we had upwards of 70 players playing that course for the first time, and our field was 144 players. So, right, uh, yeah, you get a you get a good mix, obviously, but there's plenty of players that are definitely, definitely, a, kind of a new, a new era focus, if you will. Right. Yeah, and I mean that's 50, basically 50% of the of the field uh, are coming out for the first time. Um, Cindy, go ahead. So where are these 70 new players coming from? Uh, a lot of it's, I mean, I'll, college, um, but we also just had probably just a, a, just a different field. We were dipping on the priority list into players that um, had just finished, um, had just made it through stage one of qualifying school last week. Uh, we had two weeks off prior, one tournament in Arkansas, and then we're off this week. Um, I'd probably say play, uh, there's probably a good 15 to 20 players that play with us consistently that uh, have, are playing a couple LEP events this week, uh, and then another 15 to 20 players that uh, just took just took advantage of the um, kind of free stretch, if you will, and to heal up or just get some practice in or spend some time with family and friends before um, we get into our eight week stretch here. So <laughs> and we won't, we're definitely not going to have that same field going forward. I think maybe once more the rest of the year. Um, but I think it was just the circumstances of how the schedule played out and uh, where it fell in the uh in the season. Wow, that's a long yeah. stretch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're getting gearing up for it. Yeah, I don't think people appreciate just how, you know, eight weeks doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're thinking about playing tournament golf uh eight weeks in a row, that's that's tough. That's definitely grueling physically and mentally for a lot of the girls. Plus, um, you know, they've got to travel back and forth to, to the various courses and and that can add to the uh, to the mental pressures as well. Um, let me ask you another question. Something that recently popped up in in the golf media, and, and I wanted to ask you this because I, I remember uh, I think it was a couple of years ago we had you first on. You, you talked about how you know you really help um, a lot of the new girls that are coming out on tour kind of get ready for um, you know how to handle themselves in the media and sort of in a social environment um, because that's something that you know, they're really not used to yet. Um, it was in the news recently, Lexi Tom, uh, Thompson uh, announced that she's going to stay away from social media. Uh, she's had some negative feedback, and um, this has obviously a, a become a growing trend in, in general. Do you talk to, to some of the newer girls, particularly when they come out, that maybe are involved in social media to sort of, you know, not necessarily stay away from it, but not read into a lot of what they might hear? Because, you know, there's people that follow them, uh, on tour and, and things like that. And if they're having some bad, you know, weeks or bad rounds, you know, unfortunately there's people out there. Do you have that conversation with them? Uh, or do you make yourself available if they need to have that conversation on how to handle those situations? Yeah. I mean, I make myself available and I tend to, I tend to 
err on the light side of that. And, you know, I don't really, I mean, as a, I don't know what they're going through with that. Um, right. And I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a therapist and I, I don't know the right. best way to handle that kind of stuff. So I tend to, if, you know, if I, if I'm going to send that to the higher powers, that be, that's a, that's a bigger issue than what I can, what I can uh, help with. But, you know, I'll, I'll offer that if they need help or, if they are getting something said to them on on social channels, I'll I'll help them as best I can. Um, luckily, we don't. I don't hear. I don't really hear about it much. I mean, I'm sure it happens, but um, right. You know, well, I, the, I think a lot. And at the same time, I've told them. You know, it, it's it's the day and age we live in. Unfortunately, where you have you know you have trolls and mom and their mom and dad's right. basement still who are sitting there saying one thing or another. And I, I think, right. I think it kind of goes back to your question earlier where you see a focus or a different kind of set of devotion to the game with some of these newer players. And I mean, if you're a golfer, you have to have thick skin, especially right. being able to bounce, bounce back in, in tough situations or, or, you know, you have thick skin and a great poker face. And, um, I think those translate into into blocking out that kind of noise and realizing that it, it's the last thing that you need to be listening to. Right. Well, I know that from some of the the young ladies that we've had the pleasure of, of talking with, uh, both Cindy and I here on the show, a lot of them really are not big into social media, to be honest. I mean, they certainly have a presence and they certainly – uh, you know, post some some great pictures up from the tournaments and that, uh, you know, on their Instagram or what have you. But they're really not, as you said, they're not really dialed in on their social media. But I know that this is obviously mm-hmm. anytime you're in, in the public eye, you're going to get that kind of feedback. And I was just curious if you've had a lot. And obviously you're not getting a lot of feedback, which is a, a good thing, I guess, um, that they're not really um, paying much attention to that. And I guess, you know, there are some that, that get – sucked into it a little bit more than others and I was just curious because I, I was kind of surprised when I read the article the other day and she's just kind of backing away because she's just you know kind of getting bombarded with a lot of negative and it goes to really the point that you were um, you know mentioning Cindy about sort of this backdoor you know um, critics that are saying well so-and-so is washed up or their game's over and you know when you're in the public eye and you're hearing that surfacing up and bubbling up it can be uh, a little daunting, I'm sure, for some at times. Um, what do you think, Cindy? I totally agree. I, you know, and it's funny. I was on a couple of the big breaks and then did some golf with style shows, and th- there was the message board. <laughs> and I, of course, I started to read it, and and you know, who's the old lady? She's she's a, a Barbie Slayer. And she should go home and all, you know, again, and you're like, whoa, who is this person? And you don't want to get in a fight with some idiot that's, you know, sitting in his right. mother's basement who's 42 and doesn't have a job. But the point is, is it is hurtful and you've got to be yeah. careful. And, and because yeah. you can start to believe that. But, and, I, you know, my thing was minuscule compared to what these girls are going through. But, you know, again, you have to have thick skin and you got to, you know, understand that the committee of they is not as important as you. So you got to blow it off. Right. And a lot of those people too are, I mean, I think that's one of those things where Lexi may, 
not saying Lexi doesn't have thick skin, but I think part of it is there's gotta there's gotta be that sense of she's gotta. I think that it just goes back to kind of how she feels about herself because she, I mean, she's a great, she's one of the greatest players that's gonna have ever teed it up in the women's professional game, and there's no reason for her to ever listen to what somebody says about about her in a negative way because of all the good she's done for the game of women's golf, how she's helped grow it, especially here on American right. soil, and the right. talent that she exploits week in and week out. I mean, she should be able to look in the mirror every morning and, and realize she's not only a champion, but she's a great athlete, and she's more than that. She's a, a great role model and a great individual, having met her on with several a great, occasions. With a big heart. I, again, though, yeah. I must on the other side of this, I've got to warn parents not to push because yeah. when you have a child that um, their whole self-worth comes from hitting a good shot and looking at mommy and daddy smiling and, and then mm-hmm. maybe, you know, dropping their head and disgust when they don't hit it as good, it's just pretty scary. So I'm warning parents out there, stop pushing your children because you're going to make them all get screwed up and that's not what your job is or mission is. And I'm sure that's not what you want to do, but, and I'm not saying that that happened to Lexi. I'm just, I witness it all the time because I teach a lot of kids. And when the parents mm-hmm. self worth yeah. comes from what their kids shoot, that's pretty disgusting. So yeah, I just had to mention right. that. Yeah, no, it's a great point. And, and I think, and I agree, uh, you know, Zach, what you said, you know, I, I think Lexi, um, uh, knows that she's a, a champion in that. I just think that, you know, when you're in the spotlight like her or, you know, even like a Tiger Woods and that, you're always going to get cheap shots, whether it's from within the industry yeah. or was outside. Now, and I was just curious if you get a lot of feedback or a lot of conversation with some of the girls on the Symmetra Tour about that type of thing, that, you know, how do I handle this or what do you think about this? I'm getting a lot of chatter over here because I didn't play well, you know, the last two or three weeks or I haven't won a tournament yet. And I was just curious if you'd had a lot of feedback. And, and I'm glad that obviously – they're not, and and I think, like you said, you've got to, you know, when you go out there um, week in, week out, you've got to put blinders on, you've got to focus on the task at hand, and you just got to, you know, sort of deflect the naysayers, don't get involved, don't get sucked into the conversation, just let them say that, because really 90% of the problem with a lot of those people um, is when you respond to them, that's when they ramp it up, so if you just ignore it, and, you know, yes, it might be hurtful. You just ignore it and you know your own self-worth, um, you know, based on uh, how you perceive yourself. Um, that's what's going to carry you through, uh, you know, uh, day in, day out. Um, just a final uh, thing I wanted to mention real quick, and then we'll let you go. Uh, Zach, I know you're, you've got to, to get some well-deserved rest for that eight-week uh, sprint you've got coming up. Um, the Iowa uh group is uh one of the big sponsors on the Symmetra tour and you got the invitational coming back uh to georgia may 9th to 11th um this is their second season i think for that particular event how's the field look i know it's a little early yet but uh look like it's gonna be another successful event yeah this will be a good uh be a good uh good event good test um i think the winning score there was four under last year so nothing uh nothing easy the field's got their work cut out for them, but we got some great players who um, who will be teeing it up at at Atlanta National Golf Club starting next Thursday through Saturday. Uh, we've got Kelly Tan and Sydney Clanton, uh, both of whom have won this year. 
Julian Hollis, a winner as well, and uh, Leona McGuire also in there. So four of our five winners will be in the field. Um, we'll get back to kind of normalcy, if you will, with uh, more of the top tier of, of players coming back. And it um, should be a good week. Atlanta National Golf Club's a tough track, and uh, especially coming off of Mystic Creek in El Dorado, um, I think they're, I think they'd like a flat course one of these weeks so that they can score pretty low. But that won't be happening for uh, at least a couple more events. Very good. Will Zach, uh, we want to thank you for, for joining us and giving us a, a quick update uh, this morning on the show. We appreciate it as always, and we look forward to uh, having the uh, the winner again uh, from the uh, Murphy USA El Dorado uh, next week on the show. So uh, as always, thank you for all of your tireless efforts, both on the tour and off, and we appreciate you very much for uh, helping us uh, expose some of these young ladies here on the show. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Have a great day. Have a good time. All right. Thanks. All right. That was Zach Sapanek, the uh, Spectre Tours media and public relations official, giving us a a quick update of uh, the season so far, and he's got a lot lot happening. So um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, we had a little bit of a program change. Unfortunately, our uh, scheduled guest this morning was going to be Paul Castor, and unfortunately, uh, he had to uh, back out uh, this morning due to a uh, little family situation at home, but uh, he is going to be coming back on June 11th. But thanks to our ever-resourceful uh, partner in crime, uh, Cindy Miller, she has managed to get us a great uh, guest for the second half. So, Cindy, I'm going to let you introduce uh, our, our special guest, and then we'll uh, bring him on. Well... Um, about five minutes before the show started, my son, our, we have three beautiful children. My middle child, Jamie Miller, called me just to say, hello, mom, what are you doing? And I said, hey, you want to be on the radio show? So Jamie Miller has wanted to be a golfer since probably he was one or two years old. He used to sit in the playroom watching golf tournaments and saying, don't come bother me. I'm in my office. He... Um, <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's what he used to say. And so he is now a grown man, and he played college golf as a walk-on at the Ohio State University. And then he transferred to Augusta State, where he won a tournament against Webb Simpson. And then he tried to play on the tour, and then he had a bad boat accident, and then he decided to use his, his finance degree. And he now works for UBS, and he's a plus what are you? A plus three or four or five? Are you there? Can you can you hear me? Anyway, uh, well now yep. we can. Yeah. You got to take yourself off mute. <laughs> but anyway, he just he just got done playing in the Coleman Invitational. He won the New York State Men's Mid Amateur Championship twice. He won it this past summer. So please welcome my middle child, Jamie Miller. Good morning. How are we all doing? Good. good morning, Jamie, and welcome. Uh, this Thank is Ted. Uh, we appreciate you uh, coming on last minute uh, like that. I'm glad your your mother was able to hoodwink you onto the show. We, <laughs> we appreciate you coming on and, and filling in some time. Um, Cindy, let me just very quickly jump in real quick here, and then, then I'll let you uh, uh, take over. Um, t- 
tell us a little bit about your experience playing college golf. For a lot of people that maybe have children out there, parents that might be listening to the show, um, that are, you know, their their kid has uh, been playing, you know, some competitive golf along the way, and they're really wanting to uh, maybe take that next level into collegiate golf. What advice would you have uh, for both the parents and for the the child themselves that's, that's got that in the back of their mind? Yeah, so I'll just kind of I'll give you a couple things. And I we had just done I'm on the board for the Western New York PGA Reach Foundation, and we had a meeting with the Western New York PGA, and we're talking about college golf and. What I thought was cool this past week, I was down in in uh, Juno Beach, Florida, and two of my teammates from Ohio State were down there and um, with us playing in the event. And uh, it was kind of cool because it was guys that I've known for now, you know, 15 almost 20 years. Oh, just crazy to think. But um, you know, one of the one of the things with college golf is, you know, it's a lot. I mean, it depends on what level you want to get to um, and, and how bad you want it. You know, one of my things was I wanted to play at the best possible school I could go to. Uh, my mom, you know, reiterated that I did walk on at Ohio State, um, earned a scholarship for my second year, and then transferred to Augusta State. And all of that was kind of this this belief that, you know, I was wanting to play on the PGA Tour at some point, and, you know, I wanted to play at the best school possible. Uh, that being said, I have a lot of friends that didn't do that. They went um, to a school that they felt like they could play right away, um, as my mom would say, I can be a little bit of a jerk and I like the challenge. So, um, a little bit familiar with her story that, you know, she walked on as well. So we kind of have that same, uh, fighting mentality. Um, and it, and it served both of us well, we both had a lot of success, but you know, it's not always what's right for everybody. Um, I was actually texting with a, a good friend whose son's getting recruited to play college football right now. And, you know, he wants his son to go to the best education school possible. And of course the son wants to go to the best football school possible. And it's really just a, it's kind of a thing. Um, I got recruited by some really good education schools, and I'm pretty confident that if my mom and dad forced me to go to one of them, um, I would have hated them probably for, for life. They let me kind of create my own thing and and do that and go to Ohio State and then ultimately transfer to Augusta State, which we were a top 10 D1 team. Um, you know, it, everybody's path is a little bit differently, and you got to assess that. Um, you know, obviously education is a huge part of it. I will say at the top schools uh, in Division One golf, you know, you're both athlete and student. Um, obviously, student athlete, student comes first, but um, you are most of the guys that go to those top schools are really trying to make it to the next level. Um, so it's just a little bit different than some of the you know, mid-major schools, uh, where you know they're focused a lot more. Uh, their travel schedules aren't as crazy. I mean, we had one time where we missed three weeks straight of class. Um, that's pretty hard when you're a finance major missing three weeks of class. Right. So it was it was tough. Right. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> uh, Cindy, go ahead. Tell us about the regimen and maybe the difference between D1 and D3 and workouts and sports psychologists. What might different schools offer student athletes? Yeah, I think. Um, I can really only speak for D1. I know a lot of guys have played in the D3 level, and, you know, it is it is completely different. Um, I mean, we worked out at Ohio State five days a week at 6 a.m. in the morning. Uh, we had – I would go to class from 8 until about 11.30, drive to the golf course, um, play or practice till about 5. I would have class uh, from 6.45 to, like, 9 o'clock at night. Um, and you would repeat that every day. Uh, and then, you know, from a access standpoint, you know, we had athletic trainers, 
we had um, education coaches who would work with you know all the sports teams. Uh, our guy um, worked with the football, hockey, and golf teams. Um, and then from a sports psychology standpoint, I remember, I'll never forget at Ohio State, I we had a guy um, who I was able to go see, and he really helped me with with something um, where I was struggling with the driver off the tee, and he basically said to me, you know what's your favorite club in your bag? And I said, my one iron. He's like, how often do you practice it? I go, never. He goes, well, stop practicing your driver and gave me a couple other tips. And um, so it was really, really nice to be able to have that. I also had a little issue with um, some MRSA, which, you know, obviously the, the athletic staff will take care of you. There's doctors there. Um, I don't know for D3, but I would imagine it's not as hands-on as it was at a top D1 school. Um, but the the schedule is definitely uh, very intense. I know um, some guys here up here in Buffalo that play at Kenesha's College, uh, which is a, a D1 golf team, and I would say their their schedule isn't quite um, as intense as we had it. But um, again, it at the end of the day, it is how much you want to put into it. You know, we would work, we you know, we would practice and play all weekend. Um, some guys on our team didn't play and practice on the weekend; they didn't have to. Um, you know, if you really want to get good, it's really up to you how you know how bad you want it right right That's well said um so jamie let me ask you something then just so that people understand you know there, there's sort of con- a, a conception if you will that if you're playing college golf or you want to play college golf that the next stepping stone is obviously to make it out on tour but that's not uh necessarily the case i mean yep. you know obviously people want to you know we all want to swing with the best of them but for somebody that maybe doesn't really have aspirations to, you know, play with the best out in the PGA tour or, or another tour that doesn't necessarily mean that they shouldn't, you know, if they do have a passion for golf, that it wouldn't be beneficial for them to be part of a college team. Correct. Yeah. And I think, I think one thing, I know my mom dealt with this a little bit going away from, from school is, you know, first and foremost, when you, if let's say you were going to go to a, uh, you know, uh, where golf isn't as big of a deal and you just want to get a good education and, and um, you're going to do it that way. You know, having a golf team gives you automatic, I don't want to say friends, but it, it gives you people that, you know, you have a common interest. Um, some of my best friends, even, even looking back to junior golf today, are still the guys that I grew up playing golf with. Um, so that's, right. that's pretty important to say, too. Um, you know, I think, I think what ultimately golf does and, and why it's such a great sport is that anybody can do it and if you if you do it at a decently high level if you play any level of college golf that, that's a that's a high level of golf right i mean at the end of the day that's that's a big that's a big thing um right what it does for you in in your career uh you know obviously it gives you credibility as a student athlete there's a lot of stuff on linkedin that talks about you know uh, companies wanting to hire athletes because it just you know to get to that level of, of athletic ability you do have to work I don't care how gifted you are. You have to work a little bit harder than probably most people, you know, the, the, the regular college students working, um, which is really important because when you go to a job interview, if you actually look back at some of the things that you've done, you know, from your athletic perspective, whether it's D1, D2, or D3, or NAIA, um, you've shown that you've, you've put in the work ethic, and that's a huge thing for, for your career. And then obviously golf. Golf is a really important thing because pretty much anybody in business either plays or has people at their company that plays at, you know, on a regular basis. So you have opportunities to go out and meet people that you would never get to meet, spend four to five hours with them, 
I was reading an article over the weekend. It was George Roberts from KKR, which is a, a large uh, private equity firm. He talked about that of golf and what it means to people. And anybody can play. Everybody's at the same level. At the end of the day, you have a handicap. You start the, the first hole the same way that anybody else starts the first hole. And that's what makes it such a great game. You can do it for your entire life, and you can use it for business a lot. I mean, I flew home uh, with a guy on Sunday on his private plane, um, you know, and the only reason I knew him was because I play golf, and he likes me because I play golf with him. Right, right. Yeah, your mom uh, mentioned that. And which brings me to another thing, you know, you, you sort of touched on this. It gives you an opportunity to meet a lot of different people. Talk about some of the people that you've met that, that golf and obviously, you know, your your academics have, have helped get you to a high level of education and, and obviously into some, some uh, good career choices. But talk about what golf, who who some of the people that it's exposed you to. And obviously, at some point, it's helped you either in business or just in life in general. But talk about some of the people. I mean, brag a little bit. <laughs> well, I'll start. One of my good – a guy who's become a good friend of mine um, – I was with on, on Saturday morning having breakfast down in Florida. He's an agent on tour, and he has some guys. My mom referenced Webb Simpson, who I played a lot of college golf with. Um, he's, he represents Webb. They got Jimmy Walker. I played a lot with Dustin Johnson. Dustin actually rode with me from uh, Rochester, New York, to um, to uh, the Northeast Amateur in, in uh, Rhode Island, in Providence, Rhode Island, at Wanamoisa. And It's interesting because on the way we stopped, at a bar and watched Phil Mickelson uh, choke the U.S. Open at Wingfoot. And I think if you mm. fast forward less than 10 years, uh, Dustin ultimately choked the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach and then had redemption uh, a few years later at Oakmont. So um, I'd send him a note after that and just saying how cool it was. And, and he responded, yeah, crazy world. Um, so there's guys like that. And then there's, there's some other, you know, I have a very good friend who played, uh, Brad Richards, who played, you know, 14, 15 years in the NHL. He won a Conn Smythe award, uh, for, uh, the MVP of the playoffs. He's won two Stanley cups. Um, I was just texting with him yesterday. He played an event down in Tampa at Palmasio with a good friend of his, Alan Mezzer, and they won the pro-am division. So, you know, golf brings you together with guys like that. Um, that you wouldn't get to meet. Another guy who I've become pretty good friends with, a guy named Kyle Williams, who just retired from the Buffalo Bills, um, you know, played 13 season with the Bills. And actually, he just qualified for the USGA four ball um, that's going to be abandoned dunes uh, in May, you know. But I got to meet and hang out with him because of golf. Uh, there's another guy, Josh Allen, who's the quarterback at for the Buffalo Bills, now just joined my club in Buffalo, Craig Byrne uh, Golf Club. I haven't met Josh yet, but I'm sure I'll see him out there. So it really is a way to, you know, kind of introduce you to a new world of people. And then if you talk to business, I mean, if you wanted to get that deep, you know, there's some of the people that I've met are some of the wealthiest people in the world, and you meet them because of golf. And it, it's really, really cool, and they're the titans of industry. And when you pull up CNBC, I see a lot of their names pop up, and it's just it's a really neat thing. Well, and the interesting thing, very quickly, and then, Cindy, I'm going to bounce it back to you. Very quickly, um, Jamie, just to, to let the listeners know that not only these top titans, even though they may be very proficient in their business, some of them are not all that necessarily that great out in the golf course. So you don't have to be a fantastic player uh, necessarily to be out in golf and meeting some of these people. You just have to be part of the group, and part of the group means getting out there and just having fun and a good time, right? Yeah, 
Yeah, I'll actually, I'll reiterate on that too. I mean, most of them aren't that good of golfers, but they love the game. <laughs> the reason they love the game right. is because anybody can play it and anybody can, you know, with a handicap, they, they can they can compete against somebody like me, even though their golf game may not be on the same level, they can compete because they have a handicap. Um, and, right. and really a lot of them, I mean, if you went down the list of, of the members at some of the big clubs, you know, like in Augusta, I mean, it's a who's who of, of industry. I literally have CNBC up right now, and Warren Buffett's on there, and Warren Buffett's a member of Augusta, as is Bill Gates. Right. Um, you know, if you go there, if you're ever lucky enough to go there, you see their names on lockers, and you sit there and go, wow, what a place. Um, but, yeah, golf golf allows you to do that, which I don't know any other sport that does. Yeah, I agree. Um, Cindy, go ahead. So I'm going to shift space here a little bit, and we're going to talk about showing color and emotional control on the golf course. So, Ted, as we we discussed, Jamie and I happen to be two peas in a pod, and we're both high-D personalities, which is driven competitive control freaks. And those type of people typically have tempers on the course. And it's funny because uh, one of my students yesterday asked me, if people ever throw clubs in anger on the golf course, and I just laughed. And I said, yes, and you really need to know and learn how to throw a club so you don't break the shaft. So Jamie used to have, well, he still has a temper, but he's learned how to control it a little bit. Can you tell us how many clubs you've broken in while showing color, or do you choose not to admit this? Well, as as anyone would say, I don't I don't know that I've ever intentionally broken one from showing color. Um, I've seen a lot of guys break it over their knees. Most of mine are because of of uh, faulty throw, where I didn't throw it properly. That that it breaks. <laughs> and, and I only say that because I'm too cheap to pay for it to get fixed. So um, I've never I don't think I've ever intentionally sat there and said I'm going to break this. Um, but I've probably had, you know, five to ten or maybe a, a couple more that have, have broken out of out of an anger-driven thing. Um, but I haven't forcefully just broken one over my knee like some people will do. So let me ask you this. Why or how did you curb your behavior? And when did you realize you just can't act like this on the golf course? Um. Well, it was probably, I mean, like anybody, it's its when your emotions take over. It's not, I don't think, again, I would say I never intentionally said I'm going to break this. Um, so it's a little bit different than some people that I know that do intentionally break a club. Um, mine is more of a, I can't control my own emotions at all. And then <laughs> the only way to let go is to either throw it or bang it or whatever. Um I had somebody once tell me that they said that I looked I looked quite a bit like a jerk the way I was acting and I never really thought about it from anybody looking at me and seeing the way I was acting and thinking I looked bad. Um and most people don't want to look like jerks, but um that that was really nobody really ever told me that until that time and um you know everybody you know you'd say oh you can't let your emotions get the best of you blah blah blah. But until you actually see you know somebody tell you that you look like a jerk um, that's kind of when it stopped for me. <laughs> um, you know, I can still get very angry out there, but I generally try to keep it <laughs> at bay. But it it is difficult, and it's a it's a process. But 
until I got well, better, up. better, well, better the idiot I look like. <laughs> <laughs> better the golf club than somebody else. Um, I always look at it that way. Better you break the glo- golf club than than uh, sure. than you hit somebody. Um, see, that's why I love hockey because I'm allowed to hit you know, people. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. You can take the frustrations out of hockey uh, or football or something like that. Yeah. That's why they have contact sports. Um, so, Jamie, let me ask you something because, uh, you know, your mom's uh, obviously mentioned um, before you came on air and, and you've talked a little bit about it, um, you know, the fact that, that you've got a good job, you, you know, you're with UBS and, and um, obviously it's a, a very prominent uh, company. Talk to the listeners, if you will, a little bit. You, you already mentioned it, obviously, meeting a lot of great and powerful people in business um, is, is one of the perks of, of being in golf. But for those business owners out there, especially women, because women are still kind of, you know, they're testing the waters a little bit as as business executives. Talk a little bit about the benefits of being out on the golf course as opposed to, you know, maybe just making a 20-minute, you know, sales presentation or sales call. What it does being out on the golf course, how it helps you gauge your future customers. Yeah, so I will say – you know, being being able to spend four to five hours with somebody is really, really important. Um, you know, there is, I don't want to say a, an element to it that you, you have to be willing and able to ask questions. But it's just like having a sales call where, where really all you're trying to do is find out, you know, somebody's pain, um, you know, where there's somewhere that you may be able to help them. Um, and I will say that in four or five hours, if, if you, unless you're talking about yourself the whole time, if you can't figure out, you know, where somebody's pain is and where you may be able to help them. You know, and I will say from my perspective, being at a great firm, you know, there's a lot that we can do for somebody. Um, It doesn't necessarily have to be their individual investments. It might be their corporate cash, might be their their benefit package that they want to have somebody take a look at. There's a lot you can figure out in four hours, and it's really listening. Um, You know, I know in sales they say, you know, you have two ears, two eyes, and one mouth, you know, you know, shut up and listen and, and, and watch them. Um, but what it does is it allows you to have the ability just to have conversations with somebody. And I know for a lot of women, they're they're always scared that they're, oh, I'm not very good or, you know, I'm, I don't want to hold them up. Right. I can tell you that no nobody will care about how bad you play. Nobody cares about if you can't hit the ball. They like that you're out there trying, right? Because, again, that's part of, that's part of the element of understanding you want to be out there. And the only thing I'll say is as long as you don't play slow, you know, if, if you happen mm-hmm. to be playing poorly or something, you know, feel free to pick it up. Um, I would even urge a lot of yep. guys. I've played a lot with guys that sit out there and it takes us five and a half hours to play. And I'm like, you know, you just, just pick it up. It's not um, yeah. it's not the end of the world to have that. And, and most people respect you for that. But it really gives you that right. that time to get to know somebody and find out where, where you, from your business perspective, can really help them. Um, and at the end of the day, that's where you're going to get the best sales is by helping somebody to, to solve a problem. Well, and it also um, allows you an opportunity to decide whether you even want to do business with these people, whether they're a potential customer for you or whether, you know, it, it's a it's a fit in another way. I mean, there's, uh, again, not to go back to, to the point your mother just um, made about, you know, being aggressive out in the golf course with, you know, anger management, if you will. Yeah. But, you know, you can learn a lot from watching how they, people handle themselves out in the golf course, whether, hey, you know, I, I don't know if I want to deal, you know, with this individual or not. Yeah. You know, they're whipping clubs all the time or they're, you know, cursing a lot and, and just seem to be constantly angry. And it's just a game yeah. after all. I mean, it's a game. Yeah. You're meant to there to have fun and it's a, an interaction. 
Um, one other thing I want well, you to just talk about too is, sorry, go ahead. I was going to add one thing. I, I had played with somebody recently, um, a guy who had sold his business for, for, you know, a fair bit of money and it would have been a great client. And we played golf and I, at the end, I said, that is not somebody I want to work with. Um, I was completely turned off by every single thing that the person did. And, um, no matter how much money he had, it's not worth it to me to work with somebody like that. It, it just wasn't. So, so you do learn that very quickly on a golf course. There's no doubt. Right. And, and it's a good test of morals too. I mean, you see people, Absolutely. if they're cheating a lot in the golf course, uh, more than likely they're cheating in business. And again, that's somebody you maybe want to stay clear of and you're not going to yep. get that in, in a few minute phone call in, in most cases. I mean, sometimes, Correct. yeah, unless you're clairvoyant, but out in the golf course, that gives you plenty of time to really ascertain, uh, and both ways, you know, for them to, to get a chance to see, Hey, this is a company I want to do business with. Uh, and, you know, and Jamie's uh, handles himself well and, and, uh, you know, I want to continue this relationship further. And, you know, like you said, you develop lifelong friends. Um, Cindy, I'm going to give you, since we've got a few minutes left, to give you the the last moment to sort of wrap up uh, with Jamie and any final thoughts or questions that you have for him, and then we'll we'll let him get to uh, back to work. So tell our listeners, which might be parents of junior golfers or women who aren't sure if they want to learn to play the game of golf, why they should continue to pursue their potential here? Um, I mean, I think a lot of what we what we just talked about. Um, it's a game that you can do for your entire life. It's a game you can do with your entire family. Um, you know, it, let's say you have a young family or whatever, getting the kids involved is, is really important. It teaches them a lot of life lessons. Um, it's a way for you to network. It's a way for you to get to know more people. Um, it's, a, it's a great sport that opens a lot of doors, um, but also it's something that you can enjoy with anybody and everybody. Um, if somebody plays golf, you can go out and have a good time. Um, it just it allows you to do really anything you want. Um, it takes you some really great places uh, if you wanted to. There's a lot of places you can travel in the world. Uh, that are unbelievably beautiful that you may have never seen without, you know, wanting to go play golf there. Um, so it really allows you to do, in my opinion, the way I see it, is anything you'd like. And it's totally up to you how you want to play. If you want to play the nine wine and dine, that's fine. If you want to play 18 holes, that's fine. Um, but it allows you to get outside, have a great day, meet some new friends, meet some old friends, and have a great time. And I'm going to add one thing. I think you can play until you croak as long as you can walk and move. And I think that's important. You know, one of the oldest people I've ever met come take a lesson was 89. And, um, you know, again, you can play forever. So, Ted, close us off. Yeah, I uh, I agree wholeheartedly, uh, you know, with everything you said, Jamie. And, and it's, you know, it's something that, you know, your mom and I have talked about many times you know, on the show is, you know, you have to just first, you have to ask yourself the question, why, you know, why do I want to play and, and sort of ascertain um, the motives behind it? You know, are you looking to, um, you know, get into a, a competitive mode, if you will, or you just want to go out and have a good time with friends and, and family and, and that sort of thing. So once you understand that, the reasons why, then you can sort of develop the building blocks. And, I strongly urge just to, to go back to what you said a few moments ago, Jamie, about, you know, really doesn't matter how well you play in that. If you're somebody, um, male or female, that's out there, and maybe you're not a great golfer, maybe you've tried it a couple times, 
I strongly suggest that you reach out to your local teaching professional and take a few lessons just to understand the basics and then they'll help put together a good solid plan to help you build uh, from that. But if you want to understand the basics, uh, it can open literally, as Jamie mentioned and we've mentioned many times here in the program, it can literally open up a, uh, uh, a whole new world that you, you probably didn't realize uh, was there. Um, and at the very, uh, you know, at the very onset, even if, you know, you're not a business person, you just want to go out and have fun. Golf is a game, as we've all said, uh, you can play well into your, your golden years and, and retirement and that. So, um, Jamie, I want to thank you for, for stopping by and, and uh, uh, adding to uh, the content of the show. We appreciate it very much. And uh, I'd love to have you back uh, on the show again sometime. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. Anytime. I appreciate thank you it. Thank for filling in, my dear. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, Jamie. You have a great day. All right. You too. You guys. See you. Bye-bye. All right. That was Jamie Miller, uh, part of the Miller family. Uh, great young man. You did a great job raising him, I'll tell you that. Um, very, very, uh, very smart, very with it, and uh, obviously uh, enjoying the fruits of uh, of his hard work and um that's really what it's all about. It's what you, you get out of it, what you put into life. And uh, obviously he recognized that very early on uh, by plunking himself down in, in, his, uh, in front of the television watching golf tournaments. He recognized where his path was going to be, and uh, he's pursued his it, if you will. Um, and, Cindy, we're going to have a great show again next week. We appreciate it. And, again, we apologize that uh, uh, our good friend Paul Castor wasn't able to make it this morning, but he will be joining us on June 11th. And we've got some other great guests. We'll have the winner from the Murphy USA El Dorado uh, shootout next week uh, on the show. She'll be starting things off. And then uh, another great guest to follow up. So on behalf of Cindy Miller, I'm Ted Rodrigo. Thank you very much for joining us this morning on the Women of Golf. God bless. Thanks, Cindy. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening this morning to the Women of Golf show. Tune in live each week by visiting blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and, of course, Spotify. If you can't join us live, check out our on-demand section for previously aired broadcasts. To get updates for future shows and upcoming guests, you can follow us on Facebook at Women of Golf. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ted and Buck CEO and Cindy at Cindy Miller Golf. Please remember to join us next week on the Women of Golf Show. See you next time. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.